Now for our second message, it will be brought to us by Mr. Steve Andrews. It is entitled, The Heart of the Matter. For those of you who may be on our internet connection, and uh, those of you who are here today, uh, yeah, and uh, those of you that can't hear me because I don't have my thing on. <laughs> Come on, get on there. Ah, there it is. Yeah. Is it on? Ah, there we are. <laughs> thought I sounded a little bit low. Anyway, um, for those of, uh, once again, those are those of you that are on our internet connection, those of you that are here, um, I did get a chance uh, this morning to go up and be with the family for a little bit. And it's very strange because Pam just looks so peaceful and laying there and, and um, um, it's almost just like you would want to, to say, rise up and, you know, and open your eyes. And um, I did even hold her hand and it's warm and just, just so very, very um, strange. And so we need to pray for the family. They're, they're around Pam and um, comforting her to the best of their ability. But we need to comfort them with our prayers and our, our hearts and and everything that we can do because this is a really difficult time for them. Uh, especially the, the children have lost their, their dad and now they've you know, potentially lost their mother. Um, they won't know that until, because Pam, the, 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 the daughter won't be in and uh, the sister, uh, Pam's sister won't be in until late this evening around 11.30 or so. And so consequently uh, they won't be doing any, uh, anything uh, to, uh, to see if Pam uh, will survive without the uh, things on her. But I leave it with you and with God. That's what we can all we can do is just leave it with God. You know, it's a matter of the heart. It goes all the way deep, doesn't it? It seems to, to really pierce deeply into our hearts when we see something like that happen. And when, when we get around uh, family who are grieving, it really does... Um, affect us, and I think that's one of the things that I, I, I really didn't, I'd had this message even before this happened, but I think that, that because of it happening, um, I think it's really um, uh, something that, that I've been looking at, and I think that it's very important to understand, because it is a matter of the heart. And, and there's something about this word heart in the Bible, which is there's 765 verses that use this word. Now, not all of it is a metaphorical perspective of the heart. Um, and, and, they, and there's 833 matches, so it's not just, there's, there's a lot of places where it's used more than once. And so consequently, it's a, uh, a very interesting study to go through it. And of course, I can't bring you all of those 765 verses, but I wanna, I wanna look at a few verses some of them we're extremely familiar with. And I want to start in Deuteronomy, the fifth chapter. And I want to ask a question, because I think this is so profound, because God is the one that's actually making this statement. In verse 29 of, of Deuteronomy 5, it says, Oh, that there was such a heart in them, that they would fear me and keep my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Well... <laughs> All of those people had a physical heart. I was 
thinking about Mark's message last week. The heart that, that brings that life blood into the system, into all parts of the body, that this is not what God is talking about, is it? He's not talking about a physical heart because all of those people have physical hearts. He's talking about something totally different. We're going to explore that. I hope, uh, um, I hope when we get finished that you'll have a little bit uh, um, a better feeling for the heart that you have in you. In Genesis, the second chapter, I always like to go back to the beginning. There's a, in verse 7 it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. So, we're living, we're, we're, we're breathing, we, we're functioning. God created us. He made us. And, if we go over here to this, um, another verse here, in, one, in verse 26, and God said, uh, in verse uh, yeah, 26, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing. And what did God do? He put them in to the Garden of Eden. The most beautiful place on the earth. God created it, so it had to be the most beautiful place on the earth. You know, they, there was nothing but lushness and beauty and, and, and glory in the Garden of Eden. And then he gave them a chance for eternal life because he put the tree of life in the midst of the garden. Then he told them, though, don't touch that other tree, the tree of um, good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil. And of course, mankind makes up their own mind, reaches out, grabs a hold of it, and history changes. And God says, I've got to take them out of that. He says, I've got to pull them out of Eden and put them on the outside because if they reached over and they took the tree of life at this particular juncture, they'll live forever with this kind of sinful attitude. So God had something else for mankind. God had, at that time, the potential, man had that potential by God for eternal life. And we see that from the beginning. We add that potential for eternal life from the beginning. We have what is called the spirit in man that dwells in us. We are, I'm assuming, born with it. Let's go 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. As we lay the groundwork for the thought here that I had about this. First. Corinthians, the second chapter, beginning in verse 26. We're all very familiar with these. And I hope that I've got the right one here. And I think it's... Uh, oh, 1 Corinthians 2, beginning in 10, not verse 26. I was reading my first Corinthians, Genesis 1, 26. Verse 10. But God has revealed them to us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? 
Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. Now, going back to the analogy of the, of the, the heart, the heart nourishes the body and, and, and nourishes the mind. Without, if, when the heart begins to, to fail, blood begins to not circulate through the body, and you, you start having problems with even your, your mind because it begins to, to, um, to deteriorate because your heart's deteriorating. You know, there's other, there's other illness, illnesses and ailments that come along. But uh, my father-in-law, uh, Harry Decker, uh, some of you remember him, the big, tall, uh, white-haired guy, which I've almost caught up with him. Um, he had congestive heart failure, and he had it since he was about 17 years old. And right before he died, I remember how that congestive heart failure was affecting his, his, his brain, his, his mental faculties. Um, one day he got into the car, and, and, and he was driving along, and he actually ended up going in the wrong way on, a, on a, the runway highway, uh, you know, the wrong way on the highway. He actually also um, <laughs> couldn't find his way a lot of times. And so, so it was affecting his brain. Was affecting the, the the functions in his body, and of course, it finally he, he finally died from the congestive heart failure. But understand that God has given us a spiritual thing, the spirit in man that dwells in us after we're baptized. But we uh, the spirit of man that's that's in us, and then the spirit of God that's given to us at baptism. But we're we're born with that spirit in man because we have the intelligence. That's how how we have that intelligence, how we understand things, how we're able to learn things. God has blessed man with some, some fantastic things. Put us on two feet. I was reading some kind of an article about how, how, how even that makes an, us so much different than the animal kingdom. It's so much easier to walk because we have the two feet. We can, make, we can walk and we don't have to crawl around on four Four, uh, four feet, and things like that. Uh, I wasn't going to go into that, but that was kind of an interesting little uh, tidbit that somebody had brought out about the creation of man. He says, now in verse 12, we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So, with that spirit in us, we have that a wonderful blessing of understanding God's um, uh, truth. Let's go now to, to Luke, the sixth chapter, and see how many, and I can't go through uh, that many verses, but there's, there is a lot of verses on, on this heart. But Jesus points out something very, very profound here. He says, a good man, verse 45, out of the good treasure of his heart, bring forth that which is good. An evil, evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil, for the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. We're not talking about the physical heart, brethren. We're talking about something spiritual. When God bent down and formed man out of the dust of the ground, and he became a living soul, did man also have that spiritual element? We, the Bible says he has that spirit in man, which is a spiritual element, because that's how we have the intelligence, that's how we know. Do we also have 
a spiritual heart that pumps things into us so that God can relate spiritually to man. Just as Jesus said, a good man of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. Evil man of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the, the mouth speaks. Quite profound, isn't it? Jeremiah talks about the wicked heart. Jeremiah, the 17th chapter. The heart is deceitful, verse 9, above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. <laughs> Remember, God is a spirit. I was going to quote this next, actually, in John, but I might just quote it now. God is a spirit. He looks at things from the spiritual perspective. He looks at us from his, the spiritual perspective, and especially his sons and daughters. He looks at us as his sons and daughters from that spiritual perspective. And he searches the heart. He searches that what seems to be a metaphorical thing, but maybe is a little deeper than that because it may be a spiritual thing that God is able to search because it's spiritual. I don't know. I'm just speculating. I've read the scriptures. I've thought about it a lot. This is a very profound and interesting thing. He says, I try the reins. He says, he goes in and tries them. He tries the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. God is able to see. He's able to reach out and he's able to look at all of mankind, because we have a spiritual element in us. Evolution wants to reject God. They want to reject the truth. They want to reject everything. And yet, they understand there's something so special about mankind. Why aren't we on, why aren't we on four, uh, you know, on all fours and, and groveling in the, in the dirt and, and going out and, and uh, you know, still hunting for, for those animals as they think the ancient man did? Uh, you know, hitting one or another over the head with a, with a mallet. Why <clears throat> the intelligence that we have? It's because God gave it to us when he created us. He gave us that, that intelligence. He gave us that power. He gave us that ability. And originally, we rejected the tree of life. But it's still there, and it's available, and, it's gonna, and we're going to have access to it. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. So remember that. Let's go to the, Acts, the second chapter. Remember, all those people were there at Pentecost. And they were all listening to Peter give this powerful message. And at the end of that message the end of that message, something happened. Something happened to them, didn't it? Verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. <laughs> God didn't shoot them with a, you know, an arrow in their heart. There was a spiritual thing that happened to each one of these people that were listening to this message. 
And the Bible uses this, maybe metaphorical, or maybe more than metaphorical perspective. They were pricked in the heart. And Peter, and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? They were devastated. They finally understood the Spirit was moving in their hearts, in the spiritual part of them. And they finally understood. And they were asking, what should we do? And there was, what, 3,000 baptized right then because they accepted Christ as their personal Savior? It's interesting that we use terms like the broken heart. Well, I guess if you had heart disease, you might use that term. But we understand that that's a spiritual thing. We're broken in our heart. We're, we're devastated because something has happened to our family or to our friends or something, just like the curse. All of us were broken hearted because of Pam Kerr and understanding what it's going to be like for those children to live without their mother. So those are, that's a term that we use. Grieved in the heart. I mean, I've, I've, I've heard that too. Uh, our heart goes out. <laughs> well, I, I don't take my heart out and send it out. But spiritually, I feel like we send our heart out, especially when we visit those that are grieving or needing the comfort. Our heart goes out to those that need the comfort. That's how it works. That's how we see that. In Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter, because God is a creator of that spiritual heart and the physical heart and understands it so well, Moses says this, beginning in verse 1, All the commandments which I commanded you today shall you observe to do, that you may live and to multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to prove you, to know what was in your heart. To know what was in your heart. <laughs> Someone, some of them were very hard-hearted and they fell in the wilderness. And the children were the ones that had to, to inherit the promised land. God wanted to know he wanted to know what was in their heart, whether you would keep his commandments or no. And he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna which you knew not. Neither did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, not bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord does man live. You see the spiritual connection? You see the spiritual connection between the, 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 the heart and, and even being proved by God. There's a spiritual connection there. Sometimes the trials are so hard, so difficult, so, so much pain. And yet God, you've got to understand, especially if you're, if you're his children, he loves you so very much. And I've, I've known Pam for many, many years. And I've known their family for many years. And I believe, I would like to see her raise up. And if God's will, that, you know, if, 
um, the prayers that go up and they ask that <clears throat> she come out of that and she is raised up, glory be to God. But if she passes, I want us to understand that God loves her and she has a place in his kingdom. She's been a, uh, a follower this way for, for, for a very long time. And so all of her family. And, and so I believe that she has a place in the kingdom of God because God has tried her heart and seen her heart and understands who she is. In Ezekiel, the 11th chapter, we see something very profound in Ezekiel. Beginning of verse 19. 11, verse 19. I'll get there eventually. I will give them one heart. <laughs> Look at that. I will give them one heart. I can't all harm this one big heart. You know that that's not what he's talking about. You know that this is a spiritual thing that he's talking about. I will give them one heart. And I will put my new spirit within you. And I will take the stony heart out of your flesh and will give them a heart of flesh. The metaphors really do work in this one because now we're talking about a physical heart that we've got to take that stony heart out and we're going to put a fleshly heart in there. And yet it's still spiritual, isn't it? It's still a spiritual metaphor we're talking about. It's still spiritual that he's doing to, these, to us and to them. That they may walk in my statutes, keep my ordinances, do that uh, and do them, and they shall be my people and I will be their God. The heart has to be changed because it affects the whole spiritual body. It affects the whole spiritual body. Without the heart being changed, the spiritual body is not strengthened. I'm going to see if there's any more that I want to go to. Verse 20. But as for them whose heart walks after the heart of their detestable things and their abominations, I will recompense their way upon their own hearts. There will be judgment. It's because God can, can look down and he can read the hearts. He, he can read that spiritual heart that's in there of all men. It's an amazing thing. We, we really don't know how powerful God really is in his ability to look down and to see his creation. Because we are that special creation. The ones that are created in his image. And he is very concerned. And he would like to see all of mankind come to the, to the understanding of the truth. He doesn't want to exclude anyone. He would like to see all of us come to that understanding into that truth. But he will have a judgment someday for those hearts that, that love detestable things and their abominations and he'll recompense those upon their own hearts. 
I, uh, I wrote a little, I wrote a little uh, note to myself. Does the spiritual heart have the ability to pump goodness and righteousness or evil and wickedness based on what goes in? You know, the heart is also, if it starts out good and healthy and you put good, healthy food in it, it stays good and healthy. Well, the spiritual heart would stay good and healthy if it had good spiritual food to nourish it. But what happens if, like a child, in some of the Middle Eastern countries are growing up with the abominable thing that they would kill anyone that didn't believe in their religion? What kind of a heart are you putting into that child? He's going to hate. He's going to grow up hating. He's, he's even going to go up desiring to die because of his religion and kill as many as he can because of that. And he's learning wickedness as he grows up. So his heart is becoming perverted. It's becoming wicked. And yet if you train a child and you train him up in this way and in this truth, his heart will have a goodness, a righteousness to it that will affect him. And as we heard Curtis, eventually it might bring him to repentance and into this way of life. I mentioned this once before, and I'll, I'll go, let's go back to it anyway. Let's go to John, the fourth chapter. Let's read it. Because we're talking about spiritual things, and we're talking about a, a spirit being who rules over all things, and who desires that we worship him in a spiritual manner. And I think coming to understand what that spiritual thing is, is, is very important. We, we're physical human beings. We live in a physical, physical world, and as, uh, as Curtis was uh, pointing out, we, we become very attuned to the, to the luxuries of this society. Um, we were scared to death. We didn't know what was going on. Everybody was walking around with their cell phones in their hand and looking at it. And there was hundreds of people out there walking around, and when they were looking at their cell phone, we thought maybe they had a zombie thing going on. I couldn't figure it out. Then somebody said, oh, that's Pokemon Go. Pokemon Go? What's that? You know? <laughs> so we have these really strange things going on in this society today. But God looks at the spiritual. He is spiritual. 4, 23. But the hour comes, and Jesus says, Now the hour comes, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such to worship Him. He's seeking those who have the Spirit dwelling in them. He's seeking those who have that Spirit dwelling in them. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We all have to come to that understanding, don't we? We all have to come to, to the understanding that God is, is actually dealing with us in the spirit realm. If we have a spirit heart and a spirit, that, the, the, the new man that dwells in us, and all of that, that's how he's dealing with us. He's dealing with us in the spirit realm realm. And we must worship him. We must come to him. We must understand him in that spirit. 
And we must understand how God wants us to come and wants us to worship Him. So, let's go to Deuteronomy, back to Deuteronomy, the 10th chapter, and let's just read one, one verse here. Deuteronomy 10, and uh, two verses. <laughs> Even back there, <laughs> you go back in, in Deuteronomy and, and, and you read all these scriptures, and they are so spiritual. <laughs> They're so filled with spirit. Look at this thing. Look what he says. Circumcise there the fore, therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. Now, how appropriate is that for us today? Open, get rid of that, you know, get rid of that heart that's, that, that's so hard you can't, you can't reach. God cannot reach you. God cannot reach down and look into you, your heart because you're just covered up. He says, get rid of it and circumcise it and open it up so God can look at you and work with you and take care of you. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords and a great God and a mighty and terrible which regards not persons nor takes reward. You have the most powerful being in the whole universe looking down upon each and every one of us looking into our heart to see what kind of life that we're living. That's pretty profound. That's pretty profound. Jesus says something very very wonderful, and I just love this. Jesus says in, in uh, Matthew, the fifth chapter, and we, we know it by heart, but let's turn over there anyway, and I'll just read it off the off the back, and you can leave it off the front. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. How important is the purity of the heart that you have? Because if you want to see God, you better have a pure heart. All of us better have a pure heart. I'm going to include myself in that. All of us. We should be striving to have a pure heart. Whatever God has to do to get us to have that pure heart. Because we all want to see God. We all want to live forever. We know as physical human beings, God says, oh, you can't look on my face and live. You're going to die. But as it says in there, someday we're going to be able to look at God and we're going to be able to be with him. We're going to be in his children. We're going to have all of the greatest and most wonderful things that, that the universe could ever, you know, any of us could ever imagine. And God is going to give it to us and we're going to see him. Because we're going, to, we're going to come into the kingdom with a pure heart. Now, Proverbs is full <laughs> of things about the heart. And so I, I, I've got a few verses in Proverbs that I'd like to read as we kind of close up this message today. Proverbs, the 10th chapter. And, begin, and just a few verses in Proverbs, just to give you a, a taste. It's not, even a, it's not even a full meal. It's just a, it's a, it's a snack on the heart. And here's, our, here's the Proverbs snack of the heart. In Proverbs 10, beginning in verse 8. 10 and verse 8. The wise in heart will receive commandments, but 
that prating fool shall fall. Verse 20, the tongue of the just is a choice silver, and the heart of the wicked is little worth. That's pretty devastating. That's pretty devastating. The heart of the wicked is little worth. That means that God can look into these wicked hearts and see them. He knows what the wicked are doing. Of course, he knows what the righteous are doing, too. So we'd be already doing righteous things. Verse 8, a man shall be commended according to his wisdom, but he that is, a, he that is of a perverse heart shall be despised. Verse 20 in chapter 12. Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil, but to the counselors of peace is joy. Isn't it? This is one of the most profound scriptures because we see that happening in the world today. Deceit. They deceive because they're evil. They have evil intent. Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil. They have evil intent. Verse 25. Heaven, heaviness in the heart of a man makes it stoop, but a good word makes it glad. Now sometimes we, we do get heavy in heart when we have those that are um, effective with, like the, the Kerr family, we do become heavy in heart. And it does make us kind of stoop because we, we're, we're grieved with them. We understand that. That's kind of um, an understood thing. In Proverbs, the 15th chapter, verse 13, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. Isn't that, isn't that so true? Isn't that so true? Sometimes you can get to the point where your spirit is broken because you're just so sorrowful. But the Bible does talk about there's a time to mourn. It does talk about that. And so it's important for us to understand that we support those who are in mourning, who have you know, situations in their life. And we need to help them through that. But afterwards, we need to help them also have that cheerful heart. A merry heart. So it makes it a cheerful countenance. Okay. Uh, verse, um, which one of that was 14, 15 through 18. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred thereof. A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeases strife. And you can go on and on in the book of Proverbs. It's so, so profound. One more, one more proverb. Well, a couple more. <laughs> Chapter 16. <laughs> Chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. <laughs> Boy, isn't that one true? Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts shall be established. You know, when the spirit begins to dwell in you and you commit yourself to the Lord, he will teach you what he wants you to do. He will teach you 
what's important. The Lord has made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. No matter how large the army, what it's saying, no matter how large the army, no matter how well they are uh, armored, no matter how many guns they have and they come up against Jesus Christ, they're not going to prevail on that day. And they will be punished. And that's a small, that's a small um, scripture there with a tremendous implication. He says, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. And where does it begin? It all begins in the heart, doesn't it? The day is coming when you and I will get a chance to be in one of the most beautiful, most wonderful, and most pure and beautiful places that has ever been created. And we will have a chance to do what Adam and Eve did not have a chance to do. You find it in Revelation, the seventh chapter. I mean, first chapter, second chapter, verse seven. I'll get it right yet. <laughs> It's a good thing I've got my notes in front of you. You'd all be confused. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. And that's for us. To him that overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of paradise of God. Do you understand the implication of that? As God directs our lives through our hearts and through the Spirit and the new man that is there, he is going to give us the opportunity to walk in the Garden of Eden and to take and partake of the tree of life and live eternal life. My final thought on this is the lifeblood of God's truth is pumping through the godly heart and gives life to the new man in Christ. Christ. 